Hi, my name is Steve Dozer, Community Relations Director for College Community Schools. I'd like to welcome you to season number two of our Prairie Conversations uh, podcast. Um, today we are featuring another Prairie graduate and I am so excited to introduce Debbie Ehrenberger. Uh, Debbie graduated from Prairie High School in 1976 and taught at Prairie High School uh, from 1996 to 2017 and then also continues to uh, sub in our classrooms today. So Debbie, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So first of all, just kind of tell us a little bit about yourself, Debbie. Well, as you said, I'm a 1976 Prairie grad. I attended Prairie K through 12. Uh, my late husband, Greg, was a 1974 Prairie grad who also went to Prairie K-12. I, we have a daughter, Kylie Kazizik, who's a 2004 grad, lives in New York, and my daughter, Kelsey Ressler, a 2008 Prairie grad, and her husband, Austin Ressler, a 2009 Prairie grad. Uh, they live in Ely with my two granddaughters, Claire, who's three. And Who are adorable, by the way. <laughs> Thanks. I think so, too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a little biased. And Sadie, who's 10 months. Uh, Claire currently goes to ECC, and Sadie will be starting there shortly. So you could say maybe that my family bleeds black and orange. That's awesome. Um, I taught at Prairie, like you said, for 21 years, 1996 to 2017. Um, looking back, um, I married my high school sweetheart, Greg Ehrenberger, in 1979. We were married just shy of 37 years when his life was taken at the hands of a drunk driver in August 2016, which obviously changed my life and my kids' life forever. He was my biggest supporter uh, when it came to me be as being a person, a mother, a wife, and an educator. We were a pretty great team. And uh, it, it, what was fun too, even at Foundation, you know, just how he was so involved in Prairie on the other side of things. I mean, just so supportive all the time. So. Yes, he loved his, his role on the Foundation. Yeah. Yes, uh, he did. Just, uh, you can tell, Prairie character all the way through and a true supporter of you and family and, and Prairie. So, um, well, you entered uh, the teaching uh, profession several years uh, after you graduated high school. Um, Talk about that. What was your initial path, and, and when did you know you go, you know what, I want to be a teacher? So kind of talk about that path for you. Well, it's kind of interesting. I always loved education and thought I wanted to be a teacher, and I worked really hard in high school. Um, and I wasn't quite sure if I wanted to put that much effort into four years of college. By that time, Greg was already two years into his uh, college education at Upper Iowa in Fayette. So I thought, you know, something else I've always kind of wanted to do was be a dental assistant. So following graduation in 76, I enrolled in the one-year dental assisting program at Kirkwood. Graduated in 1977, and then I began my 19-year career as a dental assistant. I worked for Dr. Art Van Cleef for four years, and then I worked um, at St. Luke's at the Dental Health Center for the, for the last 15 years of my stint as a dental assistant. Um, our oldest daughter, was born in December of 1985. When she was about six months old, I kind of had been thinking and decided that I wanted to change career paths and find a job uh, within the field of education. I remember- and How old were you at that time? At that point in time, let's see, I was 28, I believe. Okay, yeah. I, was, I taught math, not or English and not math, so don't quote me on that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I remember Greg and I were driving to Iowa City, and we were at, on 965, 
right at the uh, Wright Brothers Boulevard and I just looked at him and I said I think I want to change jobs and he said well what do you want to do I said you know I, I've always wanted to work in the school system and I think I want to go into the field of education and when I told him that he I remember the look on his face and he said well what do you want to do in the school system I said well I don't have a teaching degree, so nobody's going to come knocking at my door saying, you know, will you please be a teacher? I didn't have the credentials to do that, and I thought, you know, I think I want to be a paraprofessional. And his reply, as he looked really deep into my eyes, he said, you've always wanted to be a teacher. And, and he was right. He asked me if I thought, you know, could you work full-time? Do you think you could work full-time and go to school part-time? And take night classes to pursue a degree in education. I was kind of, when I looked at him, I was kind of taken back and I remember distinctly asking him a few questions and really asking myself. I said, what if I'm too old? You know, I wasn't that old, but what if I'm too old? Right. You know, what if I'm not smart enough? What if I begin taking classes and decide this really isn't my path or what I want to do? my biggest question was you know one class at a time I kept thinking and I looked at him and I said what if it takes me 10 years he didn't even skip a beat <laughs> and he said well you're only 27 you are smart if you don't try this you will always regret not trying and most importantly he said you're going to be 10 years older in 10 years, no matter what you do. Oh, that's a perfect so answer. So, he, and he was right. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, I looked into it, and three months later, um, I began taking night classes, one at a time at Kirkwood. At that point in time, Kylie, our oldest, was nine months old. So, the business that Greg was in, he was a fee-only financial planner, so he worked a lot of, of evenings. So my parents, who lived close to Kirkwood, said, well, we'll watch Kylie. You know, it's kind of a win-win for us, too. Mm -hmm. So I began taking classes. Four years later, we had our second daughter. So you can imagine, you know, we went from one to two. I can't imagine. And I'm still taking <laughs> classes, and I'm still working full-time. Wow. Um, again, I kind of began to doubt myself. And my rock, Greg, said... Uh, what are you thinking? Because he could just tell. And I said, yeah. you know, maybe I should stop taking classes right now and wait until the girls both get into school and then continue on with my degree. And he looked at me and he said, you have worked way too hard. You are not going to stop now. And again, you know, <laughs> being the smart man that he was, he was right. Yeah. Um, I often wonder if I would have stopped, would I have continued? Because it's like you opened the door for him to give you the answer you were hoping you wanted to hear, but you, the right answer was what he gave you. That's, yeah. you're right. Yeah. Uh, but he reassured me. He said, this is important to, to you. He said, it's important for our family because it's what you want to do. So I finished that semester and then took a big leap and enrolled in classes at UNI. So the next three and a half years, I spent driving to UNI back and forth on Tuesdays and Thursdays, taking two to three classes each semester. I distinctly remember leaving the house every morning 
on those Tuesday and Thursdays at six o'clock because I wanted to get a front row parking place. And it gave me an hour before my first eight o'clock class. I would take a, another class sometime during the day and then I took a night class which would go from six to nine. So for three and a half years, wow. I didn't see the girls on Tuesday and Thursdays and Greg was super dad and super mom all rolled up in one. Yeah. And I could not have done it without him. It wouldn't have been possible. Well, just even the the drive itself isn't that glamorous, you know, as you're right. heading up there. And then just throwing in winter time, and then just throwing in the times you're going, you know what, I, I, I can't, I'm not with my girls. Today. Right, yeah. right. Can't uh, imagine. I think that was a, those three and a half years, though, really cemented their relationship with their dad. Sure. Because he was their all. And they were very close to him. I mean, mm -hmm. till the day he died, right. they, he's the one that they would go to. Yeah. So, um, so the, he said to me one night, uh, what would happen if you quit going part-time and went full-time? How long would it take you to finish your degree? And I said, well, it'd take me a year instead of two. He said, let's do it. And I looked at him like he was crazy. <laughs> um, so I thought, you know what, that knocks a whole year off. So I, I quit my dental assisting job, and now I went every day to UNI. I drove every day. A lot of those days were not full days. I didn't have night classes, but um, I took that time, and you mentioned the driving. It was actually a really good time. I could turn up my country music and just sing for an hour. Decompress. And nobody before. was bothering me on the way up or on the way home. Yeah. So. I focused on my studies. None of this, none of it would have been possible without the unwavering support of Greg, our daughters, my parents, my sister, who's a former teacher, and my friends. Yeah. I had support like no other. Takes a village. It does, and my village was very strong. <laughs> yeah, right. So, nine and a half years after I walked into my first class at Kirkwood, I walked across this stage at graduation at UNI. I said, I'm doing this, I'm taking the How walk. How proud did you feel? I mean, I was pretty darn proud. Looks like you, you probably can't explain because of, of your road right. to that and raising kids and a family and a husband and all that and, and just I can't imagine how proud you must have felt. I really was. It was a big accomplishment for all of us. Um, I knew some, a lot of my I say my classmates when they were all, you know, I could have been their mother, um, said, oh, I'm not walking to graduation. It's not that big a deal. I said, well, I am. Right. I'm walking. My girls need to know that mm -hmm. there was an end or a new beginning because of the last nine and a half years. So Kylie was nine months when I started. When I got my BA, she was nine and a half years old. That's a lot of time. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of time. So, um, 20 years after I graduated from Prairie, I walked back into Prairie with a teaching degree and taught high school English grades at that point in time, nine through 12. Yeah. Two years later, in 1998, I earned my master's degree in teaching English in secondary schools. I remember my girls, I, I promised them after I got my BA, I said, you know, I don't have to go to school anymore. And two years later, when I told them I was going to go for my master's, I remember both of them crying. You promised. <laughs> and 
but it was a whole different it was a whole different ball game. It took two years, and it was classes. Um, the professors came to Cedar Rapids. It was a right. cohort from you and I came to Cedar Rapids, so it was different. And I and I wouldn't get back any of well, that and, time. And and for them, you don't understand until you get into your own career what it takes to advance to do things or where you want to go. And you know they obviously are finding that out yes, themselves. Yes, for know. sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So okay, well. Um, so you were with the you know college community you said for over what, 21 years um, you, you know open big question in your mind Debbie what makes a successful teacher I mean because we all have our own definitions of what a successful teacher looks like to me to the person to my right to the everybody has their own vision of what a successful teacher is in your mind Debbie what makes a successful uh, teacher well, when I thought about this question, I thought, what if I gave a list of like my top five? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, there's more than five. Right. There are more than five things. So I came up with a list of the top, my top 14 in no specific order. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, let it rip. Let's hear it. So um, a lot of them are self-explanatory. Yeah. Um, the first one is patience. It, you know, you've got to have patience to deal with 150 kids a day. And you know, parents, colleagues, administrators—you you have to have patience. Yeah. Um, as they say, it's a virtue. Um, you have to be flexible and have good time management skills. There are only so many hours in the day, and depending on how many hats you wear, um, there were lots of times I would sit at a ball game and I would be grading papers, and you know, parents would say, "Why are you doing that?" I said, "Because otherwise, I don't have enough hours in the day to get it done." And um, so you've got to be flexible. Um, you w might walk into a classroom and some tragedy has happened within your classroom you know, right. with a student the night before. You've got to be able to be flexible and help take care of their needs. And um, they need to know that you're a person and that you're, that you're flexible. Empathy, um, as we know, you know, young people go through lots of things. Uh, you have to be empathetic. I had a, a saying in my room, I told students that I'm fair, honest, and consistent. And I think those three things, I said, if, I, if you feel I'm not one of those things, please come and talk to me because then I need to look deep within myself about what I'm doing or what I'm saying. Or, because if you're fair, honest, and consistent, kids know what to expect. Right. And they'll rise to your level of expectations. Yeah. I think you need to be an effective communicator. Um, this goes without saying, you know, within the classroom with your students, but with parents, colleagues, administration, and the community. You have to be able to communicate um, with them and keep that line of communication open. Uh, I want it to be, I always wanted it to be a two-way street. I wanted to let teach, or, uh, excuse me, parents know they could always contact me. Um, Sometimes to a fault, um, I told students, you contact me, and I'd look at an email at 10 o'clock at night for a paper that's due the next day, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to answer this, but it is 10 o'clock at night, and we've worked yeah. on this for four weeks. <laughs> but I always did it yeah. until I found out that it was, I needed, to, I needed to set boundaries because students need boundaries. Right, because they think, well, I sent you an email, you sent it at 10 p.m. That's not letting me know, you know, or right. whatever. Yeah. I could be in bed by then. No, right, right. Um, so I can remember going in one day, and I said to this, my students, I've, uh, I've actually, my husband's the one who brought it up. 
and said, they're calling, they're texting you, or they're not texting, excuse me, they're emailing you at 10 o'clock at night. And I said, you're right, I need to set a limit. So I gave, I gave seven o'clock thinking, you know, seven o'clock and they that's rose fair. to the occasion. Yeah, that's fair. And I said, you know, if, if you send it after seven, you know, I'll see it in the morning, but yeah. I will not look at them. And, yeah. and they were fine, they yeah. were fine. Um, the ability to form and foster positive relationships. This business is all about relationships. Uh, I think it's important to be a positive role model. I think you need to have critical thinking skills. You need the ability to take and give back positive feedback, whether that be verbal, written. You need to be able to give and take positive feedback because obviously none of us are perfect at our jobs and you need to look within and, and reflect when people are are giving you that, that feedback. Yeah, it's almost you should say thank you. Yes, yes. I mean, like when coaching, coach yelled at me, well, no, coach cares about you. There's a difference. That Teacher cares about you. There's a difference. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I think you need to have a love for lifelong learning. I always loved school, and I continue to do research, and if they would pay me to be a professional student, that would have been my profession. <laughs> Um, I think you need some. You need to have some conflict resolution skills. Um, there's going to be conflicts within a classroom, outside of a classroom, um, given everything that are, you know pressed upon students today. My least favorite, probably, are my computer skills. <laughs> Your what skill? Computer. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, but thank goodness, I always had students in my class that if there was something that I didn't understand. They were always willing to help me. And you could probably today ask a fourth grader. You know? uh, I mean, that's true. Yeah, that's so very true. Different now. But it, you know, I, I'm self-taught on the computer. Yeah. You know, um, so, but I, that was something where they could teach me and felt good about that. You know, if they could help me with something. Yeah. And probably the most important, one of the most important things is you've got to have a positive attitude. Um, whether it's you can have the worst day, you can be having the worst day. If you have a positive attitude, it's going to show. It's going to shine through. Kids are going to know. Now, if you everybody has a bad day, and um, after my husband's death, there were a few days that I would go into class and I would say, you know, I'm not having a very good day. And students again rose to the rose to the occasion. Yep. Kids are resilient, anyway. They are. They really are. And they're very, they're very empathetic. If you're open and honest with them, they're very empathetic, and they, they understood. Yeah, they understood. So, well, that's great. So, um, you know, when you were teaching uh, too, you were also involved because I know when I saw you, Debbie, I'd see you out, out at events. I see you everywhere, you know, and I'm like, how does she do it? You know, she taught all day. She's dealing with 100 plus kids a day. And, but, you know, when you were teaching, you also were very involved outside of normal teaching day uh, in support of prairie. Talk about kind of your involvement uh, for prairie causes that you were involved in, why you were also having a full-time job <laughs> and raising a family at prairie. Well, again, I kind of bleed black and orange. And um, I think you reap what you sow. And I always wanted to take an interest because I wanted to, not because I had to, in students in and out of my classroom. Um, I attended as many school activities as I could. Um, love sports, love the fine arts. Um, I went to electric car races, key club activities. Um, 
I sh Greg and I chaperoned most of the school dances probably in the first five years. He said, okay, another another high school dance he gets to go to. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and, um, but I loved it. And they, yeah. they loved seeing you as a person, not just as a teacher. Um, I chaperoned pet buses, which people thought I was crazy and had the best time with those kids. Um, and for several years, I was a cheerleading coach, uh, one year basketball and uh, three years a wrestling cheerleading coach. Um, when it came to people, you know, we'd get an email that said, you know, if we had anybody sell tickets to, at tonight's game, you know, someone got sick, you know, I'd sell tickets at sporting events and fine arts events. I worked at the scores table. I loved homecoming, organized a lot of homecoming activities. And um, I also thought it was important to participate in student organized events, such as uh, the Honor Society does blood drives, um, and Key Club did fundraising events. So I, I always thought that was important. And kids know when you're there. Um, it's important to them that you take an interest in them, not only in the classroom, but outside the classroom. Uh, Greg was a member of the foundation for many years, and uh, I kind of did the behind-the-scenes foundation events. I, I thought he loved doing that, and that wasn't, I didn't have enough time for one thing, and that was his thing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I helped uh, with the Prairie Fest, you know, if it was setting up or tearing oh, yeah. down. or At the, all hours <laughs> of the morning or night. Or, or night. Yeah. Uh, the golf outing, you know, and I enjoyed all those things, but, you know, last year I decided I think it's time. So I joined the foundation and I've been having a great time. Um, I love to be involved in organizations such as that, you know, that support students, staff, and the Prairie community. Yeah, wonderful. Um, you know, obviously uh, you, you talked about, about being positive and all that, but obviously as you teach, things aren't always uh, easy, you know, as that, but I guess, uh, what were your biggest challenges uh, you faced, Debbie, when you started in 1996 and then maybe your last four years, a few years before you retired? I mean, what were some of your challenges at the beginning and what were some of the challenges you saw towards the end of your career? So I was 38 when I began teaching. So, you know, I was one of those non-traditional students and t teachers um, for the first time. Um, the challenge that I found biggest was to find a work-home balance, and it was pretty difficult for me. Everything I do, I want to do well. Um, at the time when I started teaching, my daughters were five and nine. Um, I, wanted to be at a, I wanted to do it all. I wanted to be a good wife, I wanted to be a good mother, a good teacher, and a good colleague. It took me time to figure it out. Um, I learned to give myself grace and to not sweat the small stuff. And a lot of it is small stuff. Um, who cares if there's dust on your furniture? Right. Nobody's gonna know that. Right. Nobody's yeah. gonna really care. Right. But my students will care if I care about them and my kids will care if I know that I care about them. So um, as my years progressed, I think the challenges also um, changed, obviously, and, and got a little bigger and more, um, should I say important? Um, the social emotional needs of, my, of many of my students increased. The amount of paperwork and documentation increased, what, you know, what we were asked to do. Uh, even the, down to the number of students in my classroom. So I saw about 150 kids a day. The challenge um, that I see of meeting 
all the needs of children while honoring mandates given to teachers was probably my biggest challenge at the end of my full-time teaching career. And those um, are always ever-changing still. Yes. You know, another mandate or another change or another implementation. And right. <clears throat> um, many people, as you, as you know, many people have a stake in how teachers should educate children, and those stakes are all different. Um, but again, a re very rewarding, very rewarding profession. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it, as you kind of uh, explained there a little bit, but you know, high school can be a very uh, difficult time for students. You know, still, students deal with a variety of uh, challenges, uh, personal, you know, family, uh, school, um, and, or students just trying to fit in, you know, and those are tough. I guess what, what did you do or what advice do you have to, uh, for teachers today to help with those challenges where students are going through personal, emotional, uh, you know, school relationships or just trying to fit in? I guess what advice do you have for today's teachers? Well, I could probably say the same thing that I said, have said for since I started teaching and, that, and I firmly believe it's all about relationships. I cared about my students as students but also as individuals and they knew it. Uh, they knew that I genuinely cared about them in and out of the classroom. I took a vested interest in them. They're not going to care what your subject matter is. You know, English was probably not everyone's favorite subject matter. I don't know why, but right. it wasn't. It should have been. It should have been. <laughs> but, but if you can find a way to get through to them and across to them and relate to them and build a relationship, that opens their eyes and their ears to learning about what it what I feel is important. And they feel yeah. like they're in a safe place to learn. Absolutely. Um, a big thing for me is talk to students. You know, find out what interests them um, in and out of school. Ask their opinions, but then hear them out. If you're going to ask their opinions, you need to take in what they say and in, in, there may be a two-way conversation but take in what they say don't let that don't ask their opinions and then not um, really hear them really hear them yeah. yes um, make them the significant part of their education uh, let them know they matter yeah. just let them know that they matter I always took the first couple of days to create um, a safe comfortable, trusting, and accepting atmosphere in my classes. It was the best two days of the year. They need, you need to get that groundwork laid before you jump into content. Um, I made sure that they knew they could make a mistake without being ridiculed by students or by me. Um, it's a safe, it's a safe, my classroom was a safe place yeah. for students. Well, and staff, I mean, it just, I, I felt like Debbie, anytime I walked by or any teacher, they could just stop in. It was mm -hmm. a safe place to see how you're doing, check in or whatever, or just enjoy conversations. So, yes. Yeah, staff felt that too. I know. Just I know I did. Yeah. It. It's all about relationships. Yeah. It all goes back to that. Yeah. Um, I guess what advice you know we've talked a lot about the kids, but I guess you know maybe on the other side of things a little bit about the parents. I guess what advice uh, would you give to parents today um, to help their child succeed in school? You know, the classroom. Um. Stay involved. Um, it doesn't matter what your children's ages are or their abilities. Stay involved. Stay engaged. Stay present. Um, 
you might have a student who has straight A's and it's conference time and there are sophomores in high school and the kids say, ah, I've got straight I'm A's, fine. I'm good, good. I, you don't right. need to, know. you know everything about me. It still says something to your son, to those sons and daughters when their parents take the time to come to conferences. It's, again, it goes back to that they matter. It doesn't matter if they're straight A's. They worked hard. If they have straight A's, they've worked very right. hard. Um, and their abilities, if, if kids are struggling, you know, it's the same thing. Stay involved. Because so you don't want to find out they're senior go, I didn't know they were struggling and why aren't they going to graduate? Right, you know? yeah. right. You know, work with, I think we're a team, the, the student, the, the teachers, and the parents. So if we work together, we can find ways to effectively educate their kids. Together. Together. Yeah, together. Together. Yeah. The common denominator, however, will be the kids. They have to be involved in the process. Um, together, we can just we can provide a powerful team for the success of those kids, and isn't that what we all want? Right. We I mean, all want the them to be yeah. successful. That's always the goal. So, should be the goal. That should, <laughs> yeah, be, the should goal. be the goal. Um, well, okay. So you graduated in 1976, as you said, and I guess talk about maybe your favorite uh, experiences. I, I guess take yourself back to 1976, Range Debbie, if you can. But you know, maybe talk about some of your experiences when you attended uh, Prairie. What were some of the highlights? Uh, and was there a person or a student or something that was a big influence on you during your time? That was a long time ago. Um, but I loved everything about school, from academics to activities to socialization. Um, I loved all aspects. Um, I stayed involved. I was in track. I was a cheerleader. I was in student council and on honor, in honor society. My parents used to joke and they said uh, that they lived, I lived more hours at school than I lived at home. And my, um, we lived in, Link I grew up in Lincoln Way. And so it's not very far, but I can remember one time my, we were by Kirkwood and my mom said, before I could drive, my mom said, oh, if I have to go to Prairie one more time. <laughs> and you know, after I graduated and my sister graduated, they said, you know, we'd do those, th those trips all over again all over again they never missed anything um, and you know to be honest if I could turn the, the clock back and go back to those days for one week I'd be there yeah. I, it, I, I'd be there um, Kathy Jones one of my high school English teachers um, was and continues to be influential in my life so I was fortunate to have her as a an advisor, as an English teacher, and then later on, obviously, as a colleague. I student taught with her, and then I was a colleague in her, in her department. Um, it was Mrs. Jones who uh, was responsible for my love of reading and writing. She pushed me to do my best, um, and not to just settle, not to just settle. She was there for me. Sounds like words out of Greg, too. <laughs> well, you know what I mean? Don't sure. settle. Get, go get your degree. Don't settle on what you're doing. Right. And yeah. that, you're, you're right. Yeah. Um, she was there. Um, I can remember one incident when um, I needed a teacher to talk to and to just care about me. She gave me options and advice um, when I was having a problem interacting with my friends. And we continued to talk and, and get together. <laughs> In fact, um, I just spoke to her Tuesday evening on the phone, and again, 
it's all about relationships mm -hmm. and we continue to have a really good one and you always hope there's that that special friend or that special teacher that everybody should be able to have at least somebody you know throughout yes. their uh, experience in four years that they can go to or somebody at all levels you know? and again somebody that they feel comfortable yep. with talking with yep. safe um, those are really important things because as you know there are some kids who possibly don't have that at home right and um, need somebody just just to talk to I just took uh, out my former teacher back in high school for lunch and supper and went to watch a prairie basketball game because of this what you just you know there was that always that person and that you just are grateful yeah you know, that you had somebody like that that's so awesome that's neat um, that's awesome well you know for newer experienced teachers I guess uh, who may be experiencing challenges in their profession you know uh, or in the classroom I guess what advice would you give those experienced teachers or even a new teacher you know for different challenges going on today well I think in every profession there's going to be challenges but I guess my advice would be um, do not try to face the challenge in isolation um, you have colleagues and administrators um, communicate with them consult with people um, who may be facing or have faced the same challenge that you're facing if it's something within a building you know the whole your whole team maybe is facing the challenge or maybe somebody last year faced the challenge lean on those people and those experiences to help help you through the challenge or with mm -hmm. the challenge um, be open-minded uh, be honest and just be open if you're if you're struggling and you have a challenge you've got don't try to push it to the back burner you need to address it so that it doesn't fester yeah and as they say if you can't take care of yourself you can't take care of others for sure yeah for sure yeah um, you know you're now back at Prairie which is <laughs> awesome so it's great to see you but you're back subbing and primarily with uh, our uh, elementary students uh, you, you talked about uh, you know you've been subbing a lot K4 and I guess talk about that experience and and, and what would you tell uh, talk about that experience first I guess and then what would you tell a high school students who, who's interested in a career in teaching well I love subbing um, I primarily sub K through 4 which some people don't understand because I only taught high school but those kids are so accepting and so loving that it's a big upper when you walk into the school and they and they greet you when you're just quote just a guest teacher um, I'm taller than all of them hey, so that, that's go. a plus could two. I said that when you were in a high school teacher. no I could not <laughs> um, being 5'2 I definitely couldn't say that but I am taller than all of them um, I would tell students to take advantage of opportunities while in school um, to intern do job shadows um, in as many classrooms as you can, as many diverse classrooms. Um, teachers are always willing to have uh, an extra set of hands and an extra mind um, to help them. And you'll learn so much um, from, those, from those opportunities. Volunteer to help in a classroom or to work with a student or students. Um, there, are, you know, there are students who just want somebody to read to them right. or them, for them to be able to read to the teacher. Um, or another adult so uh, do your homework research the profession um, go in with your eyes wide open because you want to 
you want to know what's what what's going to be expected of you. Um, what's expected now is probably is a lot different than what was expected in 1996. Yeah. Not and, it'll and it'll change again. And it will change again. It's it's ever you know revolving. Um, look at classes that you could take during high school that would benefit you um, in regards to making a decision about the field of education. You may say, well, I'm not sure if it's for me, and you take a couple of classes and you go, this is where I'm supposed to be. This is what I want to do. And on the flip side, you may take a couple of classes and say, it's not what I expected. And that's okay, too. Right. That's, that's just okay as valuable. Too. Yeah, that's just as valuable. Uh, take advantage. You know, we're very fortunate to live, to be so close to Kirkwood. Take advantage of college classes that you could take while you're still in high school. Uh, be willing to work hard um, in a profession that's very rewarding. Good. Well, I guess last last question I have, Debbie, is I guess you know you've touched so many lives during your time, you know, at Prairie, including mine. Um, what I guess what what did you find the most rewarding about teaching? Well, it won't come as a surprise to you, but um, the relationships I made with students and the connections that I still have with those, quote, students today. No matter how old they are, I'll always refer to them as my students. Um, staying connected with young people is a benefit that most professionals don't have. They've helped me through um, some pretty tough times in my life. Um, and. I'm forever grateful to them as students and as adults. Um, there's nothing better than to go somewhere and run into a student uh, and Mrs. Ehrenberger, Mrs. Mrs. Ehrenberger, and they get that big hug and I say, call me Debbie, and they say, I just can't. I can't do you it. You are Mrs. Ehrenberger. Um, I'm definitely a better person for the relationships I formed during my teaching career. Well, I'd go back and do it again. You are a better person. You've made a lot of better people here, Debbie. And uh, I just I can't tell you how lucky we were to have you here and can't tell you how lucky we are to still have you connected and um, everything you've done for Prairie. And so on behalf of the 150 per year for 21 years, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, just so grateful. So Debbie, thanks for coming in today and, and joining us. This, uh, you, you don't know how much we appreciate you having us. Thanks for having me.